the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. You know, things could be way worse. You could be marching on the west coast of Canada for a protest of something that makes you look like an idiot. <laughs> Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the TV network and part of the Overtime Media crew. I am legitimately, Connor, running out of pithy shit to say. Oh my god. I was, I was just impressed by that, to be honest. Uh, no sports. What are you going to do? We're going to talk about no sports, and we're going to talk about some uh, some recent news by your president, Mr. Masai Ujiri. I wish he was my president, but uh, joining me today, you can tell by the voice, Connor Chambers of Toronto Sports Views. What's up, dude? Hey, my man. How are you? Uh hanging in there or <laughs> what because uh it was fun while it lasted but i think the matrix is broken yeah and i keep repeating the same shit over and over and over again every day and someone in the central control unit fucked up and fell asleep or like spilled a coffee on the dashboard or whatever because we're all broken right now we're on uh constant constant time lapse of repeat and it's uh, it's groundhog's day man that's what it is right now it's groundhog's day yeah sucks shout out bill murray shout out to bill murray (laughs) yeah can't hate on bill murray uh no you know when when things look like to be at their worst you always have mr bill murray uh to guide you through there you go cheers to that (laughs) and there's always there's always beverages so hey um i'm glad you're doing well i'm glad you're you're feeling well i'm glad this uh, this crisis and this pandemic hasn't gotten the best of you, it seems. Uh, you don't oh, yeah. seem that stir-crazy, but I imagine you have a little bit of cabin fever. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been... I, I went out for a drive to go to the like lo- local liquor store because, you know... I saw. I saw the picture. <laughs> yeah. Being in quarantine, you know, I got my... I, I had to order so I, in, in Canada or in Ontario. It's right. uh, the LCBO here. So it's the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. And they essentially have a monopoly on um, alcohol here. Okay. So um, they are actually, fun fact, for those that don't know, they're the largest alcohol distributor in the world um and it's uh, everybody it's like the crown jewel prestige of getting if you get into the lcbo it's like you've made it as an alcohol company um okay. pink whitney just got here so uh, for those that aren't aware pink whitney is like a pink lemonade vodka by uh, new amsterdam vodka they uh, they went into partnership with Spit and Chicklets podcast. So that's a hockey podcast run by Barstool Sports. Okay. And um, one of the guys on there, he used to be a former NHL player. His name's Ryan, um, Ryan Whitney. Okay. So uh, he went into partnership with um, using the Spit and Chicklets brand with New Amsterdam Vodka and created this thing called Pink Whitney. And that's the alcohol that I put on order on the LCBO. It took about two weeks to get to the store. And now you can't buy them anywhere in Ontario. They're completely sold out. So you got one. So I got three. Oh, (laughs) I got three bottles um, because I had this weird feeling that if I couldn't get in store, chances are the online section of it would be gone pretty quickly. So uh, I congratulate past me for having the foresight to order three and then not have to worry about it after one's gone because they are fucking delicious. So this is this is the the alcohol version of Clorox wipes. Absolutely, yeah, hundred ten percent. Hoard it, hoard it all, please. Because like I ran out of White Claw because I've been just sipping on that while yeah. I've been in in quarantine. So, you know, it's actually like for an alcoholic beverage, it's pretty 
good. If you're, you're watching gonna, your calories too. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, like you're 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 slim figure a little bit. Like I don't feel guilty having one if I have a workout that day or whatever, right? And um, now I've run completely dry, and I can't buy any more because again, sold out in Ontario. So uh, it's been uh, it's been quite a journey of. Uh, alcoholic experiences and tastes and yeah. all that fun stuff but uh, i guess that's what quarantine will do for you if there's ever a time to expand your palate now would be the time right this is it yeah, yeah. I, I know i know that there are some people a few of my buddies actually live in in the city of toronto i'm just on the outskirts of toronto but mm-hmm. um they live right in the heart of the city downtown and what they've been doing is uh they're massive beer guys but like craft beers and ipas and stuff like that so uh they've been buying local and the some of the local breweries will actually deliver to their condo that's dope so they they have their they have their delivery route for the day and they just drop it off obviously like the social distancing thing they just wait in the lobby you go down to the lobby you do the exchange thing whatever you've already prepaid in advance through like e-transfer or paypal or whatever i know you guys have like all these different other cash apps that we don't have yet but um, what are you talking about, dude? We only have PayPal. You guys are the advanced ones. You guys can no. do like e-checks. We can't do e-checks yet. Well, we, okay, well, well, you guys have like Venmo and stuff, right? Yes, yes, we have Okay, Venmo. we don't have that. So like, it's, I guess it's a little bit of give and take, but yeah, we can do e-transfers, which is like the way that I do a lot of like, if, if it's like a local business or something like that, a lot of times or local services or whatever, a lot of times like, hey, just send me an e-transfer, same as cash, but you're just doing it online, which is cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, they, they pay for it already and they get in the condo, uh, in the condo lobby and now they, you know, they've, they got a variety pack or whatever and they get to try all these different, uh, local beers while supporting local business. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see like all these unique initiatives and things that people are doing, mm. uh, to keep their business floating, even if that's pivoting everything that they've been doing and now they're making like surgical masks or gowns or, or, or anything else right it's been very interesting or face shields like bauer hockey does the uh they do like hockey equipment and stuff like that right. but they partnered with uh uh hospitals to make like face shields so it's a plexiglass like face shield all around their whole face and it drops down so that's what bauer's been doing so it's, it's cool to see all these creative unique strategies of what these companies are doing and it's really going to pay off in the long run because people are going to remember hey Remember that pandemic? Remember oh, yeah. coronavirus, right? And and these guys did something really good, but this company B did something really shitty, and they like cut off everyone's pay, oh. and and Ooh. they it's going to come back. If you're doing something shitty now, it's going to come back to haunt you. If you do something really good, it's going to pay dividends for you in the future. I promise. Yeah, it's um, we we here in Rhode Island, we there's a law that you cannot have alcohol delivered to your house. I don't know why. Uh, I think it oh. might have to do with being the smallest state in the United States. Like, it's too <laughs> congested. I don't know. Um, Maybe. But uh, you can certainly, like, now they're, for the first time, we're able to do carry-out beer. So if okay. you order from a restaurant and you wanted a bottle of wine or something, you can order that. Um, so that just became legal. Um, I know here also, I don't know what it is up like up there in Toronto or in Ontario rather, but um, starting Monday in Rhode Island, all uh, individuals that are going to work, no matter what the job is, and that includes myself, uh, has to wear a face mask. Um, And all customers that are shopping in retail stores 
must wear face masks. So basically, everyone's going to be wearing face masks. Wow. Yeah. I don't think, I just don't think that we, they, I, I'm sure our government would have wanted to implement that. I just don't think that we have the resources to do so. Like, we're so short. We, you and I have had this conversation um, off air regarding when, when we were talking about, you know, the masks being stopped at the border. Yeah. Um, coming you can be Australia. as transparent as you want to be, dude. It's all Yeah. Oh, me. no, no, I know. Like, it's, it, it's, uh, 3M has a plant here in, I want to say it's London, but I can't remember. It's that for you, that means nothing. But for people around here, it might mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I know that they, our governments worked to get this shipment dropped off. I don't know if it was the full 300,000, but, I know that our frontline workers are really struggling with masks, so um, I just don't know if they, like they would have the capacity to do that and make that mandated for everyone to have a mask because they're going to prioritize, obviously, healthcare workers first. So um, I would like that to be a thing, but I haven't even been been able to get a hold of a of a mask or whatever. But um, we'll see. I mean, I know New York's getting rocked. Oh yeah, like they have what six hundred thousand plus cases now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy fuck. The death well, that's, rate that's is a, at yeah. like 57.5% per 100,000 residents. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. brutal. Just yeah. put it into perspective, Rhode Island's in the top 10. We are number eight with 6.9 per 100,000 oh. residents. New York is 57.5 per 100. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a perspective you need to look at right there. Oh, Crazy. I wonder, I wonder why it got so bad specifically in new york like travel. i'd be curious yeah, but that's and that's the first thing that i think of right it's mm. like either travel to or from because it's such a such a destination to either live or to travel to but that's a lot it's the business hub mm-hmm. of uh, the united states right so you figure yep. like big shots big wigs that are living in uh new york city or thereabouts heading over to china for like big deals uh and that's where it all began and I, again this is not meant to be a racist comment this is not meant to be insensitive at all but this is obviously where it started um mm-hmm. and this is where all the business dealings typically do happen especially when it comes to big corporations and stuff there's a lot mm-hmm. of traveling involved in europe and in china and whatnot you come mm-hmm. back and you bring it back and that's where it, it will spread like wildfire as we've seen and um you know speaking Speaking of this virus, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, immediately give a shout out. We're 11 minutes into this podcast. Didn't immediately give a shout out and positive vibes and prayers or whatever you want to do to Carl Anthony Towns, his family. Uh, mom tragically passed away. Dude, you just never want to see that. Sucks. That's re- it's it's really upsetting. Like I saw that and my heart broke for for Carl Anthony Towns. Obviously, like to have. All of us obviously have a mother, whether the relationship is what you consider to be strong or weak or whatever. It's, you know, it's heartbreaking to see that. And and for someone who's, you know, still relative, like very young to lose their mother like that and had that close bond, it broke my heart. So, um, you know, uh, thoughts and prayers to the uh, to the town's family. Uh, Incredibly sad, tragic. And I know that the father had the same illness, but recovered. So. Mm. Um, that's a blessing that at least, um, the family was still able to keep one parental figure out of that. But, you know, this isn't a joke. Like the, like the, the virus itself is not a joke to be, this should be taken very seriously, even though, um, we in Ontario have actually done a very good job, I would say in flattening the curve and, you know, that whole lingo of, uh, the, the, the flattening of the curve and the isolation and everything like that. 
Um, we still have over a thousand dead here and uh, across Canada now. And, um, you know, it's we there's only so much you can do. But um, again, this is not something to be taken lately. So um, thoughts and prayers and everyone just be safe and follow the proper protocols and procedures. And, you know, that will only speed up the timeline here of flattening the curve and and hope, hopefully preventing a lot more future deaths from happening and and maybe saving some current lives. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying that we shouldn't protest the tyranny and oppression of your federal government? <laughs> no, no, I, I mean, like, yeah, you should protest it. No, I'm kidding, of course not. Those guys, are, those guys are fucking idiots. Are you kidding me? Like, they're so stupid. Like, these are the same people that will get infected with coronavirus and then go into a hospital funded by their own taxpayers' dollars by the government to save them. Aren't you guys getting like two grand a month? Uh, if you are now, they they changed some of the restrictions today, so I'm gonna go off the top of my head, and I and I may be incorrect on some of these. It just started with like if you're unemployed, I'll or give if you you've some been laid way, off from that. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Um, then you get two thousand dollars a month. Okay. Um, in American dollars, it's about like sixteen hundred US. Yeah, which these people are definitely unemployed because they were marching all day. Yes. Oh, those guys are definitely without a job. Or if they have a job, uh, they're clearly not doing it. So, yeah, and they're collecting uh, that money, right? That tyranny, yeah. that tyranny money. They're they're collecting yeah. it. Oh, they're collecting it. Yeah. I mean, and now now that now it's changed to if you make if now you're making under a thousand dollars a month, or if you are seasonal employer or employee, uh, anything, or if you've been like laid off because of coronavirus, you get this stimulus package type of thing. Jesus. Um. Yeah, that's good. So, like for those that deserve it and that, you know, it need it, good. it's good. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of people that double dip into because uh, you can still collect like people are still collecting unemployment insurance before this started. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go to I, I don't I haven't done this process, so I can't speak on it. But from talking with people, when you apply for the stimulus package, um, they don't really ask you a lot of questions there's kind of okay what's what's your name what's your information register your profile great you're done yeah quick and and the the process has been quick and people say like it was almost so easy that they thought it was fake but obviously it's not right um but the government has basically come out and said look we made this easy but if we find out that you double dipped with unemployment insurance and with this we're coming at you yeah yeah. I, so that's there's going to be a lot of people that also realize two things. One, they might have made an honest mistake by doing that, which they, they'd be an idiot to make that mistake. And two, people do not realize that this is going to be taxed money. Mm. So it's not truly two thousand. You're gonna have to pay tax on that two thousand dollars once the economy is back up and running. So once um, tax returns come and stuff like exactly. That. So there's yep. gonna be a lot of people that look at that and think, well, wait, hold on a second. I have to pay three, four hundred dollars out of the two thousand that I got back to the government. Mm. That doesn't make sense. Right. And then there we go. It's it's not this isn't free money. Uncle Sam does not give away free money. Well, uh, I got to say, got my stimulus package in my checking account today. I should say there the, you go. the family's checking account and by the families, you know, my wife's. 
Um, because <laughs> she manages the money. I've conceded that to her. And, Smart um, man. Yeah, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Whatever. She gives me an allowance. I'll, I'm not ashamed <laughs> to admit it. Like, whatever. There you go. If, if Beautiful. She, she manages the money because she's better at math than I am. But, um, you know, she we get the... It was... What is it? 1400 or No, was it 1400 1400 per person or 1200 per person i forget uh i think was, i think that, i think i heard i think i had read it was 1200 but i'm not receiving the money so i don't know i, was, I think it was 1200 per person and right. 500 dollars for every child you have so we got 2900 bucks deposited okay. and i'm just like all right babe what are we doing with that 2900 dollars? <laughs> what are we doing okay just going to the savings account got it okay <laughs> right yep Absolutely, that's where uh, that's smart, smart woman. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I mean, like we're fortunate enough. Cindy, that I know you're listening to this. Smart. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, we're fortunate enough that we're still working, um, so we're not losing income. Uh, but right. she, her her attitude is, um, should one of us get furloughed or laid off, we have that as a cushion. There's no need to spend it right now because we can afford our bills. Fortunately, um, absolutely. So, um, all right. So before we we break everything down, uh, I got to get a little bit of house cleaning out of the way. Um, and then we'll get underway. First of all, if you're listening to this for the first time, thank you for listening. We hope that this is uh, somewhat of a distraction for you with everything that's going on in the world and everything that you're experiencing. Uh, brighter days are not far away, and uh, there's a little bit of hope that the NBA season will come back. Don't know if that's the brightest of ideas, but we're going to break that down later. But as of right now, we, we appreciate you uh, downloading. We appreciate you listening. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the show. Um, also, if you have not already, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and leave us five stars and a quick review. Again, support your local businesses, support your local podcasts, support your independent podcasts. This is no different. Um, by leaving five stars and a quick review on Apple Podcasts, it helps make this more accessible to those that are looking for Raptors and NBA content. Uh, while you're in the Apple uh, Podcast Store or you know search browser, hit up Toronto Sports Views, download and subscribe to that podcast. And you already gave us five stars in a quick review. Give Connor five stars in a quick review. <laughs> um, it t- seriously, it takes like two minutes out of your day and you're in quarantine. What the fuck else are you going to do? Um, and lastly, you heard about me talking about my wife and how she pretty much runs the show. And if you think I sound like an idiot right here, I encourage you to download uh, my wife and I. We have a podcast. It's called While She's Napping. Basically, it's my wife and I shooting the shit about life while our daughter naps. Uh, so again, it's called While She's Napping. Download that. Listen to that. If you want to hear a little bit of the personal side of me outside of sports, that's what it's serving for. It's a nice little back and forth and something that my wife and I are, are doing together. So we appreciate that. Uh, Connor, uh, I'm going to take a quick break. If you want to say anything before we do, feel free. Nah, I want to say one thing, and that is the while she's napping podcast is lit, and you should actually go check it out. <laughs> so I'm bringing I'm bringing some of the that uh, quote unquote millennial speech into this because there like, you go. I figured you know what we're talking about kids too, so I'll bring that. Uh, it's it's lit, fam. Go go subscribe. <laughs> lit, fam. All right. Well, with that, uh, we're gonna take a quick break before we begin. Hang tight. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, bro, let's just jump right in. The latest news regarding the possible resurrection of the NBA season, as well as sports in general, is primarily focused on the state of Florida. Now, this is an ever-evolving situation, and for clarity, we are recording this Wednesday evening, April 15th. The governor of Florida has declared that, and this is 
very key that you, the listener, listen to these terms, okay? Because it's not just any sports. It's all nationally televised professional sports. These are considered now essential businesses in the state of Florida. This, is, this will open up the door for quite a few possibilities. One, this will clog up Florida for the time being with professional sports as it's the only, uh, only location that's allowing such measures. Or two, the possibility that other states that aren't as impacted by this virus yet will follow suit as a result. Three, only the more popular sports will be returning on a regular basis. So basketball, hockey, football, uh, baseball, we'll see in the state of Florida. Or four, and this is sort of where I lean. This is a massive oversight, and the government in the sports world is sort of forcing the issue here. I'm going to put aside my more, uh, you know, expanded thoughts on this. But Connor, where are you when it comes to this possibility? Um, you knew one state was going to do it, like to start, right? There was going to be one state that looks at this and goes the money is just too lucrative to pass up Mm. because they are sitting there and they're essentially the now almost exclusive state of NHL, NBA, uh, MLB. Uh, I know MLB proposed uh, Arizona, Arizona, Florida. Yeah. yeah, Spring training ask divisional, you know what? Shortened season, which I know that you're not a huge fan of. I actually kind of think it's interesting for a year, Um, but that's for a, a baseball podcast. You know, the, if you want to f- follow the Jays podcast that's that's associated with South of the Six, hey, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Be my guest. Um, the the fact is this. Um, I, I don't envision a time in the year of 2020 where fans will be allowed to watch live sports. Um, I just don't think that we're going to get to that point I think maybe earliest, like November. Well, hold on. Just for, for clarity, you're talking yeah. live in person, live I'm television. Live in person. Sorry, so, I'm talking live in person. Okay, so television yeah. is excluded from this. Television, yeah, television is is off to the side for a second. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I think that in person, it's just I just don't think it's going to happen until like November, December, and even saying that, like earliest, and even saying that. With New York State, that yeah. might take a lot longer than November, December, right? I'm just saying some of the states that are okay, you might start to see it slowly come back in. Um, I think that we can start to see sports live as early as July, given that there's so many precautions and stipulations placed in the procedure of reopening these sports. Okay. Um is is it so so like florida doesn't get they won't be receiving money for like ticket revenues or anything like that but they're going to be the only state that's televising this stuff it's it's big money for as for one state to house these these major sports um am i am i a fan of it you know what if they have if they can prove to me that they have the proper protocols and procedures and safety measures and everything done, eyes dotted, T's crossed to perfection, then I would be open to the idea of having that. But 
the utmost importance in this matter is the health and safety and well-being of everybody in the sporting world when we're talking about you know this this in particular so everybody associated with the sport teams uh so that's athletes coaches training staff front office uh you know the the broadcast teams and the crews that go around we have to make sure that everybody is safe it's going to be very hard to guarantee that and there won't be any way to guarantee it but i i i'm i'm so desperate for sports but i don't want it to jeopardize the health so if it can be done in the right manner, yes, I'm all for it. I just don't know how that's going to be done. They'd have to show it to me, and that's for people with a much higher pay grade and knowledge of this than than what I have. So um, I'll leave it to them and see. i just like more information to come first. But uh, if it can be done in the right way, I mean, fuck, why not, right? Like, give me give me the sports. But Florida, like you had mentioned to me earlier, that's it's one of the states that got hit pretty hard because there's a lot of dumbasses in Florida. I have a, we have a family condo in Florida. I can say that. So mm-hmm. there's, there's yeah. a lot of dumbass people in Florida and they're on the beaches of Clearwater and, and all this, all this stuff. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing? So we'll see. I, I, that's why I just don't envision any point really in 2020 where live fans will be able to, uh, where fans will be able to experience games live in person. I don't disagree with that part um it just seems that this is something it just seems so dirty to me it seems mm. so like sleazy i i understand it's important to make money i understand that the economy is something that you know if especially in the united states and even north america in general canada is no exception to this the world economy is very important these things aren't blind to me like i'm not someone that's just like fuck everything, man, like, fuck money. I'm not like that. Like, I, right. I, I I, get that these things are important, and, you know, it's well beyond my understanding of things. I just, you know, check my bank account every week to make sure I have my paycheck. Um, But when it comes to how they're handling it, it just seems like they're forcing it because, look, for instance, in no way do I see WWE as essential. In no <laughs> way do I think that's essential. And moreover, like, you talk, again, not to get too political about this, but, like, you see Trump today, again, this is Wednesday, April 15th, you see Trump today having a, a conversation with people like Adam Silver, uh, Robert Kraft, um, uh, who else? I, I, I Gary think, Batman, yeah, he's the NHL commissioner. Um, who's the dude in, um, oh, Roger Goodell. Yep. Um, Mark Clown. Cuban and Vince McMahon, for some reason, to have these conversations to open up the economy bro, you should be talking to fucking economists about this, not heads of the sports world. I understand that they are part of like a large conglomerate that it's an exclusive elite club that we're not part of. But come on, man, like this just seems sleazy. Like you're just trying to make money when there's no money to be made. Um, it, it, I don't know. For me, it's just you're clogging up the system in, in Florida if this comes to be. This is the same governor that refuses to close beach or rather refused to close beaches during spring training and look what happened there was a massive amount of uh gatherings there and a lot of people got the virus that's how it started right. to spread and i just don't trust their judgment i don't trust their foresight i don't trust their their cautions or precautions when it comes to handling this um but even in a, if a perfect world that this is to be done let's let's just look at the the game of baseball for instance right so you have how many people active on a roster at one time? 25, 26? Did they expand it to 26? Um, oh, 
I can't remember. There's been there's just been so much news that's come out of like baseball too, where it's like I'm trying to keep up. They I think they did. Okay, we'll just say 26. Right. I think they did. So at one point, you're gonna have 52 people, players, on in one location at once. All right, and then you got coaching staffs, and then you got medical staffs, and then you got broadcast groups, and then you got umpires. You you have all these conglomerates of people that you're thinking it's going to amount to 100, 150 people in one space. And not to mention that if this is the only place, imagine if Arizona is out of the question and this is the only place that baseball is going to happen. You're going to have game after game after game after game at one location or two locations at best. Or if you're doing like spring training facilities, like it's going to get clogged up. So you're going to have like people waiting for double headers and stuff. It's just going to get messy. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at maybe at one time, maybe like 300 people at once. Like, I I just don't see how this is going to work. Like for me, I I want sports back. I do. (laughs) Yeah. But it's got to be responsible. Like the testing needs to be robust and it needs to be like plentiful to the point where not just the professional athletes, but all the citizens have access to it. We shouldn't be prioritizing professional athletes over the citizens, especially those in the front line. Um, so I, I just don't know that we're there quite yet. Yeah. Um, so we, we basically essentially agree on this because um, I, I I feel I'm just feel I feel a little bit more positive in hoping that we're ready. And it's more of a hope than like a than like a knowledge or, or, or a want. But um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Uh I think that obvi- obviously you can't start with fans coming back. That's a for sure like definite out of the question. But when you break it down that way, right, that could potentially be up to 300 people in a facility because if you're going to do just Florida exclusively in this situation, you, there's going to have to be two teams. Like, for instance, the Blue Jays would have to share their home diamond with another team. Right. And that would have to be the other team's home diamond. Whoever is in the Arizona Fall League, one of those teams would have to partner with the Blue Jays and come over and use that as their home field. Um, double headers, like you said, that's that starts to get tricky. And especially when guys are not within six feet social distancing of one another. Um, all it takes is one asymptomatic person to catch it. Now, I think that with athletes like they will basically be from what I heard, it's they're going to essentially be like quarantine hotels and they're going to have like staff that go out and get all the necessary things that they need or like uh, they'll basically give them a list of things and then they'll go out and get it. So they're these athletes are essentially going to be self isolating for the entire season. Uh, that that might drive some athletes nuts and I could see some athletes not wanting to do that because not you're not going to. Obviously, either way you go, you're not going to have full 100 percent agreeance from a massive group or massive body of athletes. It just doesn't work that way. So um, it's going to be really interesting to see how athletes do respond to anything that's of that set where it's okay, we're going to resume our season in July or we're going to start our season in July, depending on the sport. And these are this. These are the precautions and the rules and regulations that you personally have to follow. It's going to be tough for a lot of those superstar players to follow that or even just role players too. like in in general, it's going to be tough for people to follow that and have to self isolate. And if they're going to be with someone they can't leave either, it's going to be very difficult. So that's another aspect of it where 
presents some problems for sure. A couple layers of the onion there. Um, let's start. Let, let's start with that phone call that I told you about when it came to the president of the United States and mm-hmm. all these all these mega heads. Um, does it strike you as odd that no um, representatives of the respective players' association were part of this call? Um, no, because it's Donald Trump. <laughs> and right, he knows right. he's he's gonna he's gonna go after you know he's he's gonna want the business heads in it and he doesn't want to deal with the people that's just you know how it is yeah but, <laughs> but you know like especially mlb players association like they're the i feel like the toughest or even like that nah, nfl is not that tough but like no i can NFL's see pushover. yeah i can see mlb or even nba like we know the players run the league there they could be yeah. like no we're not doing this and then what? Yeah, but are you gonna? Yeah, but are you gonna bring Kyrie Irving to that discussion? The guy <laughs> thinks the world's fucking flat. Good call. Too <laughs> like you know, so um, no, I'm not surprised. I think that when because it's such an initial discussion, right? I think that when discussions start to ramp up, and you know the the blocks start being put into shape and the ball starts rolling a little bit, then you're gonna see players associations or even the commissioners say okay we need to bring in the players union or the players association once we get into these further stages because we need to make sure that they're in agreement. otherwise all we're doing all every all the work that we're doing is for naught. right so um the, there will be a point where they come in i just i'm not surprised that they're not included in this yet uh but once you know if if uh if the nba says Okay, we're planning for July. That's usually when they're gonna wanna, you know, hey, uh, NBA PA, you want to come into the, my office or yeah. virtual Zoom call for a second? Because uh, we're trying to get this started, and we need your agreeance from the players that we can get this thing going because we don't want to delay any further. So right. that's when that's what I sort of see happening in that. Well, I mean, like you look at things like so. First of all, when it comes to like minor league sports, um. The the G League is already done. Like they pulled the plug mm. on the G League, so there is no yeah. more. Uh, I I don't know about two ways anymore. I don't know what the NBA's plan would be when it comes to playoff and expansion. Well, they usually don't expand the rosters. They usually trim them at best. Yeah. Um. But like when you take in the the matter of baseball, right? So like I said, the reason why I wanted to stress the the qualification uh, that the Florida governor laid out as nationally televised professional sports so minor league sports yes they're professional they're not nationally televised that's correct right so if you have an injury to say a blue jay pitcher you don't have anyone stretched out in the minors you don't have anyone warmed up are you comfortable i know this is not a blue jays podcast but still like it it sort of resonates with why like i i feel like if you don't have one league you're not going to have any of them like, if one of them's disqualified because of the issues with this virus, it's going to have ripple effects to all the other leagues, even if the quote-unquote minor league issue doesn't necessarily lend to the NBA. Like, it for me, like, the minor leagues, like, imagine if one of the, uh, Trent Thornton got hurt. Are you just going to bring Anthony Kay up and be like, all right, bro, you're not ready at all. Go ahead, <laughs> go get him, pal. Like, think about Nate Pearson. That would yeah. ruin him. It would yeah. ruin him. And, like, even if you take that issue away, think about the 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 distance between an umpire and a catcher. Think about the distance between a runner on first and the first baseman. Think about mm-hmm. the distance between those lined up on the foul line. 
like on the, uh, on the sidelines, like yeah. that, yeah. Or, or on the bench even. Like mm-hmm. th- these little things, like there's so much to work out that it just seems like a clusterfuck to me. And who knows, maybe in a month or two, the social distancing may not be six feet apart. Maybe it will be closer. Maybe we'll relax on that a little bit, especially if like we've hit our peak and we're seeing the downturn of the curve. But still, like I, I just don't know. I, I can't get behind something that has all these what ifs involved because the certainty and the safety of your players seem to be secondary uh, compared to just opening it back up so you can make money. And to me, that's just sleazy. It is. It is. It is sleazy in that way. Um, but going back to sort of what I had said earlier, if they can provide me with something that, you know what, at least they've shown that they are putting very serious effort into ensuring the health and safety of everyone involved, as you and I have both said, you know, like players, coaches, uh, referees, head office, front front, uh, front office, uh, everything like that if you can ensure their safety or at least take every single necessary precaution to do so i'd feel a little bit more comfortable um if they kind of come out and they're just like oh okay so sports are resuming uh we're just gonna start playing games here no fans and uh that's that then i'll be whoa 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 hold on a second here because to me as much as our worlds revolve around sports sports is very secondary right now um and as desperate as I am to to see sports, like I'd fucking watch cricket at this point. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. Like I'll learn the game. I don't care. But as desperate as I am to see that, I'm not. I'm never going to have my desires of wanting sports back jeopardize the health and safety of not only those on the field, but those of the surrounding geographical area of where it's being played. Like last thing that we want is an outbreak in Florida while we've uh, hit the green light for resuming uh, professional sports. Because then that you're going to have to pull the plug again. It's going to yeah. happen all over again. Yep. yep. And then you're, you're, you're right back at ground zero. Can't have that. Like, look, so this leads me to, to Fauci's comments today. And although like, obviously this is a Raptors podcast and we're geared more towards the NBA. His comments were necessarily geared towards the MLB and the NFL, but I think, like, again, ripple effects are everywhere. If those two leagues are going to be given the green light, and again, WWE is given the green light, there's no reason why the NBA couldn't be included in this. So um, the way Fauci is suggesting we go about this to bring professional sports back is, as you mentioned, no fans in attendance. Uh, Players are isolated in one Hotel. Don't know how you're going to do that. You're going to have to rent a whole fucking hotel in order to do this, but whatever. Without contacting anyone else outside of family, again, who's cleaning their rooms? How? What are they doing during the times that there's housekeeping coming in? Are they going to the pool? Who are they interacting with there? Who are they interacting with at the game room? There's so many fucking variables. Where are they eating? Who's collecting their food? Like all of this, whatever. Um, those participating are getting tested at least once a week. Um, if these things are outlined, it's possible. Now, like I said, I don't care about me. I don't care about having a test available for me. If I get sick, I probably, like, much to the behest of my wife, I don't want to get tested. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't. But, like, because I feel like there are people that deserve it more than me. Um, 
I wouldn't win that argument with my wife, but I, I'd at least try <laughs> attempt to make it because for me, those on the front lines, like obviously those in the healthcare industry, those in supermarkets, uh, yeah. mail personnel or letter carriers, or e- even to some degree, Amazon workers, like people that are on the front lines of this deserve those tests more. When mm-hmm. it comes to me compared to a professional athlete, take all my tests, professional athletes, like have them, have Adam. Right. But in no way should we be prioritizing the tests for professional athletes over that of the frontline workers. And if that's what's happening, we have a big fucking problem. Yeah. I mean, it's almost kind of, it almost kind of comes back to the same argument that's always been made of, well, look, LeBron James makes X amount of dollars a year, but a doctor makes X amount of dollars per year. And it's not even close or comparable to LeBron James, but the doctors are out here saving lives and LeBron is out here playing a sport. You can replace LeBron with whoever, whatever athlete, and you can replace doctor with surgeon or whoever. It's the right. same concept. Healthcare professionals to athletes. Um, the fact of the matter remains that uh, the world is always run by money. And sports is such a booming, thriving business that any harm to one of its key products will always take priority because they will pay top dollar for that test um it's 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 corrupt like it's it's corrupt the way that it's done and i'm not out here trying to condone it i'm just trying to sort of give a bit of perspective as to why it happens oh yeah um and it sucks and i agree with you but that will never change because um people will prioritize lebron james over the nurse at new york hospital right that's that's just the way it's going to go because LeBron James means more to people than the nurse at New York State Hospital. I'm not sure that's true today. I, I, I think I think that in general, you would find that more people would. I, I just think that more people would lean to that. I'm not saying that at all. Right, I'm, right, right. I know. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to like preface by saying that I will always value the healthcare worker over whoever. Any any frontline person in a crisis over an athlete. But I think that there are just so many other people that would be like, as long as our athletes are fine, then that's then that's fine. But I do agree with you in the sense where I think that more and more people are leaning um, the other way, which is great to see. But at the end of the day, I just feel like there's always going to be that stigma of like this is our most valued product as a business and we need to make sure that we're taking care of our assets well asset management um I, that's it i was <laughs> i was just about to say asset management baby but you know yeah i took the bait um when it, when it comes to you know this this issue though recall what you said earlier that those that are mishandling this situation there's going to be dire consequences to be paid when it comes to you know your the state of your organization and how it's looked at what makes this so different? You're you're absolutely spot on. It's not different. Not different in any way. Like if 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 the hypothetically, let's say for in a in a hypothetical scenario, NBA cancels their season, NHL cancels their season. They just say it's too risky. We don't want to do it. MLB says we might look to push it back or whatever. They're contemplating it. Maybe they cancel their season. NFL and Roger Goodell, he's like, fuck it, I'm, I'm going with my season, I don't care. And they start, and a player dies from coronavirus, 
do you know the consequences that will fall upon the NFL? They're already facing hot water with concussions and 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 all of that stuff. If somebody, if one of their players or one of their coaching staff or whoever, one of the referees, it doesn't matter. Anyone affiliated with the NFL on the field, on or off, whatever. If they die from coronavirus in that season, that will be detrimental to the NFL. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm just using NFL as an example because right. of the timelines, yeah. right? Because they're the last ones to start their season. That would cripple the NFL. I don't as know. As much as the NFL is crippled already, I think it would cripple the NFL. I don't publicly. know. I don't know. I don't know that that's true because, like, for the sake of transparency, for the yeah. sake of honesty, mm-hmm. and, like, maybe this makes me a bad person. Makes Maybe this makes me a degenerate type of person. Uh, I don't know, man. Fantasy is key. Fantasy, Fantasy is king. Is key. I, I would probably keep playing. <sighs> I'm being honest. Like, I would like to say that I would take the high road and be like, you know, fuck all this. But, like, there's, it's not so much that I want my fantasy football. It's the camaraderie with my friends that it's just like a tight fabric between us. And I'm sure it's the same with you and a lot of other people out there when it comes to fantasy football. Um, that I just, I don't know that people, there's not much that can be done with the NFL to make people let go. Unless they, like, get rid of fantasy. It's literally the only thing that's keeping the NFL's head above water. <laughs> that's true. Because NFL fantasy is, is the number one fantasy. Yeah. But I do, I do still have a connection with a lot of my, my buddies and I. We play NHL fantasy. And we have this group uh, that it's a group of my buddies that I went to university with and some other friends that we are mutual for us and just throw them in the group. And we got, we got uh, 12 of us and... Um, one of the guys does a breakdown on his YouTube channel every week about our matchups that we had for the week. And he pulls out all the stats and all this stuff. And it's fun. And it's a great league. But that's the NHL. But that's that's different because this, the NHL here in Canada um, is a lot more prevalent, uh, even in fantasy wise, than uh, in the States. So I get the disconnect between someone from the States of like not really understanding that. But I still think that the NFL fantasy is king. I, I agree. It's number one mm. Be- with playing every single fantasy sport. Uh, baseball is the worst. Uh, basketball uh, to me is second worst. I would put uh, NHL as the second best. And then um, the NFL is king. But yeah. nothing really comes close to NFL. Yeah, uh, you're right. It's the only thing that keeps the league afloat. I just think that if someone gets coronavirus and dies, it's going to shut down the 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 operations indefinitely. And guess what suffers? Fantasy. I agree with you that it would shut it down. I don't agree with. I guess like I'm not trying to like pick a fight with you. I guess no, 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 no. no. I'm I'm glad that you don't always agree on everything. I just don't know that there's going to be a ripple effect of people being like completely turned off to the NFL as a result moving Mm -hmm. forward. Um, mm-hmm. I think then they'll make the right but uh, late call of canceling the season if someone gets it or someone passes away, God forbid, right? Uh, you know, uh, as a result. But you know, much like you with your with your fantasy hockey, um, you know, fabric that's sewn within your boys. Like for me, and maybe this is again, I'm not trying to create gender gaps here. I just had a whole episode about this with my wife on the other podcast. <laughs> I episode three. Yeah, you better be following. Yeah, yeah. it's um. For me, it's kind of like 
it's maybe it's a guy thing when it comes to fantasy football. I don't know, but like it's it's just one giant dick measuring contest. It really is. Let's be honest. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like when I first started podcasting, it was a podcast for my fantasy league. So like I've never made that public. I still won't. I won't issue that to the public because it's for us. It's for the 11 other members of the league. And so in that aspect, like there's so much other shit involved when it comes to fantasy football that you have podcasts, you have for you or fantasy sports in general, you have for fantasy hockey, your video casts your recaps yeah. and stuff like there's so much involved that I don't think that people are going to be sour if anything should happen with anything that it comes to professional sports. I think they'd probably unfortunately look at it and I'm being honest, like I'm trying to yep. evaluate this. I think people would look at it as an unforeseen yet unfortunate consequence. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I completely agree with you on, and that's the serious fan. Right. Like that's the one that's invested in the league. But there are also a lot of casual fans that would look at that and would say, you know, the the moms or the casual dads out there that look at that and they're not fans. And little Timmy's like, I want to play football. Not only are you are you afraid of concussions, you are now questioning the integrity of the league. If you're very casual, right, if you have no investment in this league, I don't you know might that look I am. at that. I don't know that I am because I already know they have no integrity. Oh, well, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm just saying this. This I just think I just think this would be a cherry on top. Really? Right? Like if a, if a trainer passed away, you're not going to watch? No, I, I, I think. OK, so there's definitely more significance. Like, I think that if it, if a trainer passes away, while it's obviously sad, I, I think that people I, I would still watch. Yeah, I just think that like if a if Patrick Mahomes caught coronavirus and died. Right. Right. Do do you think like like obviously that's more significant from a publicity standpoint than a trainer. So there will be a lot of kids where like I'm playing quarterback or I want to do this or I, I want to be a star running back or I want to be a defensive end. And it's just like there's going to be these uh, there. There will be a a parent somewhere that is like, no, because there's way too many things going on. And all this stuff that has just happened with the league, I just don't want to put my uh, expose my kid to any of that. Mm. Um, pub- publicly publicity wise it's going to take a massive hit on a league they're going to be ripped apart should they choose to come back too soon and something happens um, the the NFL like like I said if we're, if we're isolating that it's already been as a sport itself it's been dying if they don't have fantasy football I think that the concussions yes. storyline would have really ruined uh, the NFL already and even that's but, not stopping it <laughs> right and he, there, there's too much money and it all comes back to my there's too much money invested in the nfl how much is bet on, on the super bowl yeah there's fucking degenerate like you said there's degenerates out there man bro like, clothing people, coaches clothing. clothing yes clothing like ev- everything it all comes down to like how even the super bowl props like the anthems and like uh how what's the color of the Gatorade halftime show like we gonna see a nip slip at halftime yes or no prop bets like there's people become fucking insane for this so there's so much money invested in that sport compared to any other sport from a gambling perspective between gambling and fantasy which I want to consider it to be tied because a lot of times you're not playing fantasy for free aka gambling yeah um 
that is what keeps the NFL alive. If there was not gambling and if there was not fantasy, I do not know if I'd watch the NFL. I'm with you. I do. I do not know. As much as I love watching the Bills, watching the Chargers, those are my two teams. Um, I don't know if I could do it if I did not have a financial investment or a big dick measuring investment yeah. <laughs> in in any of that sport. So uh, I know we kind of went off topic a little bit here. It's supposed to be a basketball podcast and we're kind of talking about football, but this can still apply to basketball. It does. It most certainly does. It, it most certainly does. And and I, I'll, I'll loop it back around to saying that if Adam Silver were to do that, he would, and, and somebody caught coronavirus, Rudy Gobert catches it again, dies. <laughs> Okay, um, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at the fact Rudy Gobert would catch it again. Right. Um, then it would it would be a really bad look on Adam Silver. And Adam Silver has a pretty clean record in the public perspective. Right. Us here in Toronto might say, well, you know, maybe he was trying to uh, be a little bit corrupt and trying to get him aside of the Knicks or something like that. Like maybe they have a little bit of beef on him for that. But overall, if you had, if you ask the, the sports public, who's the best commissioner in any of the sports, I guarantee you the majority would say Adam Silver. It's Adam Silver, 100%. Um, he has a, for the commissioners, he has a very sterling reputation. If he were to go ahead early, which I don't think that they would because the NBA was the first ones to put a halt to all this. Mm-hmm. But if he were to go ahead early and say, you know what, we can do this. We can go ahead in June, July and, and play it. And exhibit A, Rudy Gobert catches it, passes away. Um, he that would stay with him for eternity. That would stay with the NBA for eternity because yep. there the NBA. Um, I think that the NBA more than any other league is so much tied to their commissioner than any other league. And I know, I know that I know that you might say the NFL because Roger Goodell is a clown. Um. But I just think that, you know, Dave, David Stern did so much for basketball and he changed a lot about basketball. And Adam Silver has tried to keep up with the progressiveness of the NBA. Um, if he if that were to come back onto him, people might look at the NBA differently. Might not might, might would still continue to watch it, probably, but might look at it differently than how they look at it now. So a lot of these organizations, professional sport organizations have to be very careful and tread very carefully when exploring what to do. If, say, they bring back, uh, I don't know, the, the season for five more games of regular season play, and the rosters are still at, like, 13, and uh, a non-superstar, no-name guy, and again, not trying to dis- diminish the value of a human life here, right? Uh, gets deathly ill and passes away, unfortunately. Are you not going to watch anymore? No, I would. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's exactly like, and I think they know that. And like, I don't know what that speaks more to us as individual human beings and our like addictive nature to sports. But like, we can say all you, all we want, like listener out there. Like, I get it. Like, I, I know it's, I know it sucks and I, it's not fun or, or cool to like theorize about a potential person's death. It's not, it's really not. But like, when you look at it, like these organizations have a vice grip on us. They mm-hmm. really, truly do. And if you think like, like what about the players involved? Like, I don't think they give a shit because they know <laughs> we're just going to keep watching. 
Now, again, if it's like, unfortunately, the breaks are is that like if it's a high profile player, there's going to be more of an impact. The higher right. profile you are, the more impactful it's going to be. Like, that's just, I mean, come on, let's, let's be honest here. Um, th- again, not to say that that either of them are worth more than each other. Not at all. They're all worth equally as a human being. It's just right. the impact is going to be a little bit more significant. But I, I just don't think they care. And like circling back to like, if it's up to me, like, sure, take my test and give it to a professional athlete because like, this is what I live for. I live for sports. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the frontline workers, I am not one of them. I'm still working, but I'm by no means considered a frontline worker. No way. Right. Uh, give them all the tests, even if it's a once a week test to every person that's playing in the NBA. I don't give a fuck. Give them to that frontline worker every single week because they deserve it more. Until this is over, until there's a vaccine, until there's something proven, a remedy, anything, I just don't see that as a responsible outcome. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree at all. I think that you're correct. Um, it won't be that way, but I think that you're correct. I completely agree. It's a clusterfuck, but, uh, mm-hmm. it is, look, this, I, as I said, this is an ever evolving situation. It will change. It will change because once the players associations of each respective leagues get involved, it's, it's going to get a little bit more muddy. And I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think, I know they're anxious to come back, but they know it's their lives. They know it's their health and they know it's their safety. Same thing with the referees, same thing with the coaches, same thing with the training staff. They know that they're at risk here. You can bubble it as best as you want. Doesn't mean it's going to be effective. Like it's going to slip through. It always does. Always does. So uh, having said that, let's, t- let's turn the page on this conversation. Uh, <laughs> we'll be right back after this break. We're going to talk about Masai Ujiri and Ernie Johnson. Hang tight. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, so if we're going to talk about positives that the NBA is uh, implementing here on the internet during this, you know, off time, uh, they're doing something cool. It's a hashtag NBA together, like video cast slash podcast hosted by Ernie Johnson. And uh, he sat down remotely with Masai Ujiri to talk about a couple things. Um, We don't have a lot of time to talk about every little thing they talked about, Mm -hmm. but I do want to highlight what I felt to be uh, most interesting. And it's kind of like getting into detail. So to start off, did you watch this first of all? Um, I watched, uh, I'd say like half of it. And I, and I did the, I made sure that I I hit like all the highlights of it. And I kind of sort of skimmed through it because I was doing it while I was working and then something came up and I kind of got distracted. No problem. But I haven't, no, I haven't watched all it's what it's like 35 minutes, right? It's 35 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anybody that wants to watch it, I I'll I'll go back and rewatch the parts that I haven't watched. Um, but, uh, just from seeing what I'd seen like online, I was just like, okay, I'm going to try to skim through and get to all the important points and see it that way. Well, in the beginning, Ernie called for quote, total honesty. And mm-hmm. as a Raptors fan, like my ears perked and my eyes widened. Yeah. And I was like, here we go. So Ernie called for quote, total honesty when it came to whether or not Masai was surprised that this year's Raptor squad had the same record as last year's 
with Kawhi over the course of 64 games with a record of 46 and 18. Now, before I get into Masai's response, it seems that the emphasis on the words total honesty speaks more to Ernie in the NBA media <laughs> community surprise than Masai's. Would you agree? Absolutely. Like, what the fuck kind of question is that? <laughs> I love how he like basically leads with that. He's like, so total honesty. Uh, we're, we want to be transparent around here, you know, total honesty. Um, your team was supposed to be shit. Yeah. Are you surprised that it's not shit? <laughs> I love Ernie Johnson, man. He's the best in the he's biz. The man. But like, yeah. He's the man. But like, oh, my God. Um, yeah, Ernie, you know, maybe we didn't expect to be the exact same record, but we knew we were going to be pretty fucking damn good. Jesus Christ. We knew we were going to be in the playoffs. We, we knew we weren't going to be out of the playoffs and not an eighth seed either. Right. So dumbass people. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's just like that speaks more to the NBA media communities. Uh, total shock and like disbelief as to how to approach the Raptors as a result of all the hatred and doubt that they had in the in the beginning of the year. Um, but you know, Masai sort of handled it like a pro. If you take everything by face value, and Masai is not a dumb person. Like he's in fact very very intelligent. In this interview, sort of emphasized that even more. It illustrated it, I should say. Um, he mentioned that with the consistency in the coaching staff. The rise of Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry continuing to improve despite his age, Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell stepping up. They had something to prove to the world as rating champs. However, that's not a yes or a no to that question. That's correct. You know, so like maybe Masai was surprised given all the adversity and given the fact that Kawhi Leonard is not on this team. Like, is that unfair to suggest? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm no. genuinely asking. No, I I think I think that even people in the Raptors organization look at the beginning of the year we were saying that we expect this team to be top four. Yes, right. Yes. That was that was what we were saying going into the year. Uh, we said that we could see them maybe as a one seed, probably not. That would probably go to the Bucks. I had them um, at a three. Where where did you have them at? Three, three. Yeah. So um, I think that I had them at. I think I had them at two because I still wasn't buying the hype of Philly. And I said, I think that this team is still is going to be the two seed. Um, but I said, I, I would still be happy if they were the third or four seed because Philly can be good. Uh, the Celtics can be good. And those two teams could at, at the beginning of the year. I thought that if any two other teams besides Milwaukee would be ahead of Toronto, I could see it being either the Sixers or the Celtics. Hmm. Um and look, there's their second seed, like whether you had them first, second, third or fourth, like you, the, the expectations going into the year were top four. So to me, they were a little bit lower than what they were last year. But that doesn't mean that I thought that they were going to be like a 500 team or slightly above 500. I knew that they would be good. Um, I didn't think that they'd have the exact same record at this time of the year without Kawhi Leonard than they did with Kawhi Leonard last year. So. Yeah, it's it is surprising, but what is he he's not going to say that. Right. Right? And right. like you said, he's smart. He's not going to come out and say, "Uh, Ernie, I I'm listening to you completely honest. Uh, very surprised. Yes, cuz uh we're missing the the one of the best players in the league uh and you know, we didn't expect our guys to come out and uh step up the way that they have." Like, he's not going to say that. I but mean, he asked for thinking. total honesty. 
about. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he got an honest answer, though. So he can't be he did. mad. He did. Yeah. Masai didn't joke around. He didn't, he didn't lie. He just wasn't the honest answer that he was looking for. It's true. He did. He just didn't really answer the question. But like, mm-hmm. there's no doubt that there is a little bit of surprise. Like, given look, given the fact that I had them at a third seed, um, I did have them winning. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I have it all mapped out for what I did in the preseason. Uh, right. I had them at 54 wins. Okay, that's that's still very respectable. Like, right. That's like yeah, eight more wins out of 20 left in the like if the season were to continue. Actually, not 20. Right. Sorry, 18 left of the right. season. Um. That's not impossible. It's not even close to impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's probably they'd exceed that. But still, like given the fact that you know they don't have Kawhi Leonard, I'm surprised that they're at the same exact pace that they were last year. Like that is right. kind of like it's encouraging. Like mm-hmm. I don't know that any Raptors fan can look at you in the eye and say they'll have the same exact record 64 games in. I think every Raptors fan would be like, of course they're making the playoffs. Of course they are. Like, and I, I would be kind of weirded out if a Raptors fan didn't believe that in the preseason. But I don't right. necessarily think that there was a Raptors fan out there that said, "No, they'll be at the exact same pace even right. without Kawhi." Come on, now, yeah. like, no that's, one said that. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. And, and if you're if you're if you said that at the beginning of the year, you were just like sniffing something because right. like that's that was just you being incredibly over optimistic. Um, and I think that the. The more realistic perspective or outlook at the beginning of the year was, oh, they'll, they'll be a, still a very good team, playoff team, good team, uh, not getting the same amount of wins or at the same piece that they did last year. Speaking of Kawhi Leonard, uh, it was cool to see that Masai's son FaceTimes with Kawhi's daughter. Yeah, that's a matchmaker. What is What a smart man. Masai for, for fucking prime minister. That's oh what my I'm saying. God. That's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. Please. Um, he said that he still has a great relationship with Kawhi. And in fact, their uh, partners, wives, partners, however you want to put it, uh, are apparently very close to each other. So, for a brief <laughs> second, I have to admit it. I was thinking 2021. You smell that? Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the rumor mill. It's yeah. turning. Yeah. It smells like Giannis and Kawhi 2021. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh my God. Giannis and Kawhi with Pascal Siakam? Big three? Oh my God. Put it, inject it in my veins. I put put Giannis at center. I don't even care. Pascal at the four, Kawhi at the three. Like that's dominant. You can have Joe Blow Schmo running guard. And then you still have Norman Powell on contract. You might have to ship him off the money works. But like I'm saying, nah, man, it's eleven mil. That's how you do it. Yeah, right there. Masai making power moves. He knows what's up. That's he's he is the god. No, I'm just I'm, I'm kidding. But I did always I have always said that I would not be surprised if the Raptors miss out on Giannis that Kawhi Leonard comes back to his team. I would not be surprised because I think that he is giving his family and 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 his and his whole relationship bubble of people. He's saying, I have spent my time here in L.A., whether it's one year, two years, whatever. I'm back home with my family. I've enjoyed it. Uh, if that Clippers team does not win a, a title or if they are not in contention or if he does not like playing with Paul George, he might look to come back here because he was happy here. 
But I think that he went home because he wanted to go home for his family. And if he says to them, look, I've done my time here of two years, I'm going to go off to somewhere like Toronto, play there for four or five years, uh, maybe come back home and then retire. But I want to do this for me and for my legacy. I could see it happening. And I, I have been adamant on this that I think that it can happen more realistically than others. Um, but I think it's less likely that that happens than even Giannis coming here. But I can still see it happening. Um, I would like to have the crown when both Giannis and Kawhi come to the Raptors. I would like to be crowned um, the uh, prophecy, uh, the Nostradamus of Raptors Twitter and podcasts. Um, I would like that to be uh, written in pencil and put in notes <laughs> and aired out to the whole world. You know it's coming. I'm telling you right here. You don't even need to watch the 2020 season because 2021 is going to happen. And then you're going to be like, oh, my God, I love the Raptors again. Easy. So to play off the Ernie Johnson, uh, you know, <laughs> I guess game here. Yeah. Total honesty, Connor. Yeah. Yeah. What would satisfy you more? Giannis coming to this team or Kawhi coming back? Giannis. You think so? Yeah. You know, the only And the only reason why, like, I... And that's not to say I wouldn't be satisfied with Kawhi. Like, Kawhi is a fucking beast. I would be hella satisfied with Kawhi coming back. Like, I'm very disappointed he left. But we are thinking now another year down the road, right? Yep. It's another year of age and wear and tear. We have seen that Kawhi's body hasn't been the greatest. He barely survived a playoff run, even though he played incredibly. We have to admit, he barely survived that playoff run. Yep. Right? Health and concern-wise and fragility of a body, um, I would I just like Giannis's physical compens- uh, physical competition a little bit better than Kawhi's. I just think that he's more uh, healthy as a player generally. I, he's younger. He's got less tread and miles on him than Kawhi. But um, Kawhi is obviously undoubtedly the top player in the NBA or one of the top three, depending on when you see him play, whether it's regular season or playoffs, right? In the playoffs, he's usually the best. When it's regular season, he kind of goes down a bit because you don't see him as much. But I would probably be in the long-term outlook and perspective of four years of that player, I would prefer Giannis over Kawhi. There is no load management when it comes to Giannis. That's correct. So uh, I should mention, though, that Masai does mention Giannis, but only briefly and somewhat mm. passively towards the end of the interview. He said, um, you know, about having the, the, the roots, the African roots, and uh, Masai bringing him in. But it was only quickly, so he definitely, he being Masai, definitely has those uh, tampering impulses in check. <laughs> so um, He's I no just, Doc Rivers. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, he did emphasize the still close relationship with Kawhi Leonard, despite what may or may not have happened during negotiations with Uncle Dennis. Um, it does give me some sort of encouragement that, you know, Masai, should he stay with the Raptors, and let's face it, there's a good chance that he will, um, will, if if Giannis doesn't work out and he decides to take the Supermax with Milwaukee, um, Maybe there's another possibility with Kawhi Leonard. Who knows? Um, always keep that in the back of your mind. But speaking, yeah. speaking of, he's uh, got, he's got, he, Masai's got unfinished business. Okay, here, like he's got, like to me, he's publicly said, like, yeah, we won this title, but we're winning another. 
Yeah, that's true. Like he's got in that. That's a man. When you hear that, it's a man to me that he's I don't think he's done with this team until he wins another title. Then I could start to say, OK, well, he's accomplished too. Unless he public unless he publicly comes out and he's like, we're winning another. Then I'll be like, well, OK, well, maybe, maybe he's not done. Like maybe he's got this play in his head, but he is that during the summer that we won, he he came out and he's like, I'm very I'm I'm so happy and blessed. We got this title, but I want another one. I'm working for another one right now. We we're going to get another one. That's a man driven by a goal. And yeah. I don't think he's going to settle until he gets that goal. I think it has a lot to do with how he wasn't able to celebrate fully for the first yeah, one. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Well, he's getting sued. So. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Fraudulent. He'll lose. Um. Guy. Yeah. This is the last point I want to make when it comes to this uh, conversation. Even though there was a whole lot brought about into it, but um, this is something that I paid attention to. It was the relationship that he has and had with Dwayne Casey and DeMar DeRozan. I'm sure everybody has seen the uh, the picture by Yahoo Sports Canada or the score about how Masai has said that he still has unfinished business with DeMar DeRozan. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, Masai said that the, the hardest things that executive experience is when players get traded away and when they leave via free agency. Uh, so you could probably see him referring to players like DeMar DeRozan being traded away and Kawhi Leonard leaving via free agency. Um, he said that it was hard with someone like Rudy Gay, for example, and gave him a very heavy amount of props. Um, said that he's a great kid, a great teammate. And that to me, I was like, oh, that's cool. Like he still remembers, like especially in his first couple of years with the team, like he still remembers mm-hmm. like the impactful moves that he made. Um, this obviously bled into the topic of trading away DeMar DeRozan and, you know, firing a quote-unquote father figure in Dwayne Casey. Um, he said when it came to Dwayne Casey that it wasn't easy. He said he'll never forget how he felt when he had to fire Dwayne Casey and he sort of wanted to procrastinate it more and more, but he knew he couldn't. Um, he praised Dwayne Casey as a person. Okay, and like, again, not trying to diminish anything. Didn't really give him that heavy of a props when it came to being a coach. Obviously, like we all know, Casey had his limitations and his stubbornness, but he said he's probably one of the coolest and best human beings I've ever met. He's a father figure to me. Uh, and he said he's mended fences with Casey and Casey's family. Does this surprise you? Because obviously, DeMar DeRozan, like that exodus was a lot more bitter, but it's not like Dwayne Casey didn't have some bitterness to him either. No. Um, it helped that Dwayne Casey landed on his feet right away, right? Even though it's in it's in Detroit, still relatively close geographically to Toronto. So um, all that stuff. I know the family loved Toronto and they and they love being here. Him and him and the family love the area and the team right. and whatever. But when and and I obviously like, that's a part of the interview that I heard and all the key points you talked about I had actually heard on the interview, which is great. Right. But um, to me, when I first heard that. It sounded like um, the relationship that uh, that you have with with your with your ex, where you know what the person is a good person, but sometimes the relationship, whether it's the timing or just the, the dynamics of the two of you, it doesn't work out, right? And um, something is there where you like the person, and you'll always respect them, and you'll love them, you have admiration for them. But there's just something there that you're like, 
I don't see a future with this person. Right. So to me, it sounded like where he was kind of talking almost like in that sort of perspective where he's like, yeah, I, it was it was very tough. And, you know, that you're you're going to you're going to be hurt by it as Masai Ujiri was. And, and obviously he's saying one of the toughest decisions. Um, Dwayne Casey, he knew that he was going to hurt him and obviously didn't want to because he respected him, but knew that for the it was for the best for both that or, or maybe more for the Raptors than anyone. But it was it was for the best that it doesn't continue. Um, the way that he spoke of him sounded like someone who was genuinely like upset to do it. And obviously he procrastinated because Dwayne Casey was coach of the year. Right. You know, it's it, public like from a PR perspective, he got roasted for firing Dwayne Casey and then hiring Nick Nurse. But it was the right move. Right. And he got roasted for it. So how can you do the coach of the year dirty like that and then hire his assistant? And from the optics of it initially, you're kind of like, oh, well, like, I mean, I get it. You're you're not wrong. But we all knew as Raptors fans, too, that Dwayne had hit this like this peak and, and he had plateaued and he wasn't going to like get them to the finals and win a championship. He had done all that he could do. And sometimes you just need that that wife or that husband that's going to be your next relationship, right? Like you need someone that, that you're like, I'm tied to you now. And Masai Ujiri will forever be tied to Nick Nurse mm. because of what he had done with Dwayne Casey. He he knew this was Masai Ujiri's first coaching hire ever as an executive. Never hired a coach in Denver. Never hired a coach in Toronto until Nick Nurse. First coaching hire. He is attached to Nick Nurse forever. He will be cemented with that move forever. And he knew whether it was going to be positive or negative, that was what was going to happen. So um, I wasn't surprised to hear him say that. I'm glad that he mended fences with Dwayne. I think Dwayne said some stupid shit on his way out the door and while he was oh, in yeah. Detroit and like whatever. It's just kind of like, it's just kind of like, again, that acts being like, well, you know, like he's such a bitch. And like, whatever, I, whatever, <laughs> I, I, it's just like, whatever. I'm, I'm glad that both of them are adult enough now to sit down and say, look, man, like, I love you. I'm sorry. Like, I hope you're okay. And the other person saying, you know what? Like, I, I love you too. Don't worry about it. Uh, obviously the relationship with tomorrow is, is a completely different dynamic, but the one with Casey doesn't surprise me that he said that. So that's kind of just what I had sort of the perspective that I had seen or thought of when I had heard that conversation on the interview. Yeah, I'm glad that, you know, we pick on Casey a lot and for mm -hmm. good reason. Like it's, it's almost actually it's always in a basketball sense. It's never in a personal sense. I never regarded never. him as a as a bad person. The only time that I sort of chose sides is when we, there was rumors about Kyle Lowry um, not getting along with um, with with Dwayne Casey. And obviously you I think you're going to lean to the side of someone like Kyle Lowry. Um, I'm sure that relationship has mended. I'm sure everybody is operating on a water under the bridge kind of thing. Um, he's done a lot for this organization. I want to say he's the most winningest coach for this organization in history. Um, I think that's true. Um, Dwayne that, Casey? Yeah, like in terms of he has the most wins. In terms of actual total wins? Yes, yes I believe yeah. he is. Yeah. Winning percentage we know is, is Nurse. Nurse, right. Total yeah. wins is, is Dwayne Casey, I believe, yes. Right, and... You know, he was part of that movement, that We the North movement, that really propelled this team into new heights not seen uh, since the playoff run with Vince Carter. 
right? Like Dwayne Casey really capitalized this. Dwayne Casey really like did propel this team forward, but as you mentioned, couldn't get them to the promised land, couldn't get them to the championship. And everybody has their limitations. And, you know, credit Masai Jerry for finding something in Nick Nurse that admittedly at the time, like I had no idea. Like I no. obviously I, I don't we didn't hardly knew anything about him other than the 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 various yet repetitive articles that we found about Nick Nurse around the internet. So um gotta give him props. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing that we really knew about Nick compared to Dwayne was like Nick was more of the offensive guru mm. and Dwayne was that defensive mind. Right. And that's all that's that was the first sort of thoughts that had um or the first perspectives from those that had knowledge of their coaching styles. That's what we had heard from from the medium, from whatever. Um while they're part of the same coaching staff, Nick was the offensive mind and Dwayne was a defensive guy. And while they are the same coaching staff, Nick's going to bring a lot of different perspectives to it. Um, but still, you're you're 100% right. Like, we didn't know much about Nick Nurse. We didn't know. Um, and, and I would even say, uh, while Nick Nurse does have some great offensive setups, I I really love what he's brought to his team defensively. Like we talk about the box and one oh, yeah. and all this janky, janky defense and all that shit. Like he's a very strong defensive mind as well. But, you know, people are probably praising more of his offense because they'd only really seen that because Dwayne Casey ran the defense. Right. So um, credit to Nick Nurse as being more than just an offensive guy. But uh, as we got to know more about him, but you're right. We didn't know much about him. Public didn't know much about him. We just knew that he was a guy on Dwayne Casey's staff that came in to replace him. And that was that was it was tough for Nick Nurse. Like we have to kind of go back to this. Nick Nurse got thrown onto a championship roster, being the assistant coach of the coach of the year who just got fired. Yep. Has to take over his team with a star who many had thought at the time was going to be disgruntled by coming to the team in Kawhi Leonard. What yeah. a fucking situation to come into, right? You're sitting there, and he just had to be himself. Wasn't he Kawhi first? Like, the trade was first, right? The trade... Oh, my God. I think the trade happened first. I don't know. I'll tell you right oh now. Oh, my God. Kawhi, okay. Um, I'll tell you right okay. now. Yeah, yeah, go, okay. So, so good. keep talking. Okay, so when you... I'll, and this is, again, I, I know I've brought this into the show before, but this is just called filling the air is when your partner on the other end is looking up something and I'm here to satisfy your ears. Okay. I'm dead. So, wrong, by the way, uh, yeah, see, I knew it. I knew it because I remember thinking, and I think I texted you this when it happened. And I'm like, Dwayne Casey is fucking crying right now yeah. <laughs> because he wishes he had Kawhi on his roster. Be I, I remember this happening because I remember Kawhi meeting with Nick right away. And do you remember yes, that he was yes. in that room for an hour? Shut the and they door. Had to pull him. Right. No, they had to yeah. shut the door and they had to pull out Nick. And Nick's like, fuck you. Yes. I'm not leaving. Yes. You gotta drag me out of here alive. And it's like he's he's freaking out because he's like, I'm planning so much with this guy because we're gonna win a title. He just had to be himself. Yeah. He was himself. The team really respected him. He got one of the best players in the league to respect him. And at the end of the day, you can't be more proud of a coach, a rookie coach to come in here and do what he had done and and, and change a lot of perspectives of people, including yours and mine. So good for him. It is, you know, good to see, though, that fences were mended between Casey and, and you, Jerry, because like I said, like whether or not you agree with his coaching philosophies, I certainly don't. I do 
have the ability to sit back and be like, I still appreciate what he did for the organization during his tenure uh, as a Raptors head coach. So uh, given that, you know, Ujiri and him are cool and their families are cool, that's the most important part because Ujiri seems like a super, super um, family type of guy. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, he emphasized that a lot in this interview. Like, my family is good with this person. My kids are good with this person. Um, it really speaks to the kind of person that he is. So given that they've pretty much broken bread together since, um, can't hate on it. And it's, it's good to see that Casey and him are, are on good terms. But yeah. um, let's, uh, let's take our final break before we get into the DeMar DeRozan breakdown because there are a little bit of a ripple effect. There is rather a little bit of a ripple effect when it comes to this. Hang tight. Last commercial break. We'll be right back. I promise. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So when it comes to DeMar DeRozan, Masai Ujiri walked around his hotel in Kenya at 3 a.m. for a few hours to muster up the courage and strength to call DeMar. It should be noted that DeMar already knew. Like, that's the <laughs> biggest kick in the balls about this. He yeah. already knew. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be a difficult conversation. Masai Ujiri does not hold back and just, you know, he has... He's very humble when he says like he was in tears when he had this conversation. Um, takes a, a big man to admit that, and obviously you would expect it with a guy like DeMar DeRozan and you know what he's done for the city of Toronto. Um, Masai Jerry says, and this is the quote that I referenced earlier, quote, work needs to be done when it comes to repairing the relationship with DeMar DeRozan. So I'll ask you this. Whether or not you agree with one or the other, whether or not you're choosing a side here is kind of irrelevant. Do you think work needs to be done because Masai hasn't reached out and tried to fix it or because DeMar's like, I don't want anything to do with you? Um, I don't, I really don't know. Um, I think, uh, it's, it, it's tough. Like I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm actually thinking about it because, I don't know. I don't think either of them have tried to reach out to one another, to be completely honest. Really? Like, I, I think I think that I think DeMar was just kind of like, you know what? Fuck Masai. Like, I gave everything to this team. I'm just going to go focus on the Spurs and develop a relationship with Pop. Where Masai was probably like, I don't want to like he I, th- I think Masai felt so bad where he just wanted to give DeMar his space. Right. Okay. Um. Time heals all wounds, as they say. Mm-hmm. And I think that now with the NBA season being on pause, it's a great opportunity for one or another to reach out. You see DeMar on Instagram live with Fred Van Vliet and with Pascal and with Serge. And, uh, you know, they're 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 talking all the time and they're they're shooting the shit and they're having fun. And he's boy, obviously super close again, as we all know, with Kyle Lowry and. Um, I think that it's time for them to talk about it. I think that enough time has passed where raw emotion is not going to get in the way of having a civilized conversation either way. Um, 
I genuinely think that that was the hardest decision Messiah Ujiri has ever had to make, maybe in his life, with anything. Um, that was w- arguably one of, if not the most beloved Toronto Raptors players of all time. Uh, I think he was even more beloved than Kyle Lowry at that time. But I think, I think obviously Kyle Lowry has surpassed him now yes just from from what he's done and no one will dispute that but i think i do think at the time demar was more beloved than kyle lowry um whether you agree with that or not it's it's really a mute point because they're both they were both super beloved Mm -hmm. um i know he's just sitting there he said well i just fired Dwayne casey right because he had he had fired Dwayne casey before now he's gonna go out and trade the face of the franchise a guy the only one of the only Guys that could have gotten a max anywhere else to say, I'm not even taking a fucking mute anything anyone else. 1201, give me the contract. I'm gonna sign it right now. That would have yeah. eaten away at Masai Jury to know that he's trading away like one of the most loyal people he's ever dealt with business-wise. That would eat away at me. Yeah. Tamar is a good person, as we all know. Um, he's done so much for 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 charities for his hometown Compton he reps it all the time he he did a bunch of stuff here in Toronto he was devoted to the Raptors organization he loved everyone everyone loved him that's really hard and I think that over time I would hope that Demar understands that it was not an easy decision but he has to almost take it from the perspective of they got. The Raptors, meaning they in this circumstance, Mm -hmm. got the best player in the league last year in a trade. And I was the focal point. They were (sighs) like, like, you you know, you know what I mean? I just I I, and it's that's not going to help. Like, it's it's not like it doesn't make things better. But I hope that he sits there and he realizes, like. I don't think that they intended to do me dirty. It was just business. It's just business. And for me, like coming from that GM perspective, right? It's asset management. If you take away the emotion, you do that trade a hundred times out of a hundred. Oh yeah. With emotion, it's 99 times out of a hundred. <laughs> yeah. But, um, there's still that. Masai understood and respected DeMar so much in what he had done and he had brought. And that's why he was pacing. And I would have, I would have been the exact same way. I would have been circling laps if that was me. Because he knew what DeMar meant to Toronto. He knew what Toronto meant to DeMar. And he didn't want to break that up. Um, I felt really bad for Masai because of the uh, public outcry, even from obviously Raptors fans. Of, you know, how could you do this? You're dismantling our team. You're, 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 do, you're, you're doing these guys dirty. You can't be doing this. They weren't getting us anywhere. At the end of the day, they weren't getting us anywhere. He did what he had to do as an NBA executive. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't easy. That doesn't mean that he didn't pace around his room for three hours and miss and drop the ball and not letting DeMar know before DeMar found out. Right. They, and, and I know that that also eats away at him too, not being the first one to let DeMar know because that would eat away at me. Oh, yeah. I would want to be the one to say, DeMar, I want to tell you this man to man because you're going to hear it eventually from Woj or Shams or whoever. Soon. This is the, very soon. This has gone down. I want you to know first. 
um, because I respect you, blah, blah, blah. It still wouldn't have made things easier. And DeMar probably would have like, fuck you, man, on the phone or something like that. And right. just like hung up or whatever, right? But I, I hope that they can repair a relationship, not even because I want DeMar back on the Raptors. I think that ship has sailed. Oh, yeah. But I, I think that both men are truly great individuals in their own right. And I hope that eventually, whether it's now or in a year or two years or five years or 10 years, they can sit down together and say, let's talk because it would be a real shame if they went for the rest of their lives with this, um, grudge or this argument or negativity hanging over their heads like a cloud. It would be really sad. World's too short, man. Like life's too short. We are seeing now. it. Life's too short. Yeah. We're seeing it. We sang the praises of Masai Ujiri's intelligence. And again, he just doesn't say things. I think it's a very well thought out uh, process before he says anything to something that's going to get a lot of traction, right? And this is something that got a lot of traction. We're talking about it right now. Yeah. You said that like now is, you know, as good of a time as any to reach out and sort of mend this fence or at least attempt to. Do you think this was his way of doing it? I think this is his way of 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 opening a door. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Right. Um, you're on arguably the most public platform in the NBA with um, whenever you're talking to Ernie Johnson. You know, DeMar is watching that. You know, he's hearing that whether whether he watched it or not, he saw a clip. Right. Like yes. he saw yeah. it on social media or someone sent it to him, one of his boys, or he saw it on, on Bleacher Report or wherever talking about DeMar. Yep. I know that he's going to sit there and think about it. And maybe Masai reaches out to him if he doesn't hear from him. But I think that's Masai's way of saying, like, if you give me a shout, I'm not going to hang up the phone here for an open, honest conversation. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's weird to me how different his, uh, not response, but his demeanor towards Kawhi during this interview compared to his demeanor towards DeMar. Like, I'm not saying that he values one more than the other, but it was very, like, glowing the way he talked about Kawhi, and obviously for good reasons, he brought him a championship. With Damar, like, it does seem that on the one hand, and maybe this is the correct way to go about it, on the one hand, on a personal level, he's saying to himself, like, I wish it could be different. But on the other hand, like, without saying it, again, like, he chooses his world words carefully. He's very calculated. Um, I don't regret it. Yeah. Well, and, and he shouldn't. Right. Right? Like, what's there, what's there, to, what's there to regret? He won a title. Yeah. Does it suck that he did Damar like that? You can look at the optics and say he did DeMar dirty. Sure. I'm not going to argue. Right. But he's you're not you're not going to sit there and say, well, yeah, I wish I could have redone the trade because then maybe we could win a title. No, you won a title because of Kawhi Leonard. Let me bring something to your attention, though. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to pull this up, but I'm reluctant to do it, but I'm going to do it. (laughs) Do it. So we're we're talking about how there's still, you know, work to be done to mend that relationship. And this interview was, I want to say it was last night. Okay. 
So we're yeah. under, we're operating under the assumption that things are bad. Let's go with our way back machines, all right, to February of 2019. This is a quote from you, Jerry. All right. So when San Antonio came here, I've never said this to anybody, but something unbelievable happened. DeMar came into our locker room and to show you the class human being he is, he came up to me and he hugged me and he asked how my family was doing. It meant a lot for him to come and give me a hug. At the end of the day, this is life. Time heals things. And one day, I know I'm confident that one day we'll both sit down and talk about this. It seems like things are okay with DeMar. Like, I don't know. Like, is this like mixed signals? Because with this quote, back, this quote is from a June 25th interview from uh, NBC Sports uh, regarding when the uh, San Antonio Spurs came back to Toronto for the first time. Well, DeMar came back for the first time in February. It seems like DeMar's cool with it, according to this quote. But now he's saying that, like, Things still need to be done. I don't know, man. Like I, I, I don't know. No, I think I think I think there's I think there's a difference there, and I think that I think Demar was just showing Masai and everyone in that locker room that it might have even been Demar trying to show he's the bigger man, mm. right? You you don't know, you don't know what he was trying to do, but. At the end of the day, I think I think that was more of him just saying that he was understanding of the whole circumstance now, but that just because he made that gesture doesn't mean that the relationship is solid. Right. Like, I think I think that you can and I I keep I keep bringing relationship context into this because I feel like both the Casey and the DeMar situation is like being in a relationship. Right. You can hug your ex doesn't mean that you're chill with your ex. But do you right? want to be chill with your ex? Well, I'm not just I, like, I mean, it. well, it depends. Did your ex like uh, like you're working together how, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you if you want to be mature adults about it, I think that like I think when you're younger, obviously you're like, fuck my ex. I don't care about my ex. <laughs> but like when you're when you're older, it's kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like, I, I still respect this person, if depending on how the relationship ended. So I, could, I still want to be somewhat diplomatic with them and like have some sort of like, like, are we cool? Like, are we good? Like, let's talk. Let's just break it down right right here, right now, just to make sure that we, you know, we we iron out everything and we mend the fences and we can go on. And I think that's almost what Masai Ujiri is trying to do here. Um and I think that by Demar giving him that that hug is kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like, I get it. I think it was more of an understanding of Demar saying like, I get it and I understand it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that their relationship is good. And I think that's almost what Masai is trying to illustrate by saying that um, there needs to be at some point a sit down conversation for that damage to be repaired because it doesn't just take, in my opinion, it doesn't just take one hug and like, I hope your family is good. To be like, oh, so we're fine, right? Like at yeah. the start, it's nice. I won't, I won't, like I won't say I'm not gonna fluff that off and say it's nothing, but I'm also not gonna hype it up and say that it's like the be all end all. Yeah, to me, that's not just a simple pleasantry. Like especially mm-hmm. after time, after everything that happened, to me, that's like a sign of moving forward. Maybe you're right. Like obviously, we don't know. Obviously, we don't know the circumstances and to the degree in which this is. Uh, bothering Demar or bothering Messiah, other than what Messiah said in the interview, um, and we'll never know. Um, 
both individuals like seem to like to keep things private. But right. it does seem that Demar is privy now more towards the business end of thing, given that he was like, if I'm not getting a contract extension by San Antonio, I want to go. Right. You know, like, so maybe this is sort of flipped the switch in him and saying, like, there is no loyalty in this. Like, I, I can look out for number one, which is totally fair. Like, again, I, I've always been an advocate for players getting as much money as humanly possible. So um, I, I don't know. For me, it's just like this is something that will make a fantastic book one day. If Masai and or Demar decide to do a tell-all, like shoot interview style right. book, I would love it. I would, I would just love it. And uh, hey, Masai, if you, if you, uh, if you need a, a podcast host to interview you, I'll ask you the tough questions, man. I don't care. Hey, hey you know what? It's, it's the off season. Just shoot, shoot your shot. You that's know it. what I mean? Like that's it, Masai. I know you're listening to this, my guy. <laughs> I know you are. Don't don't hide it. Like I know that the South of Six podcast is one of your hidden like pleasures. Don't hide it, man. Come on here. Like I might, I'll finesse my way onto the show too. We'll we'll hop on. We'll we'll have, we'll have a nice interview. We'll have a we'll have a crack a cold one, and we'll just chill out. We'll mellow out. I would love to get in the wayback machine with uh, Masai Jerry and just talk about the trades that didn't happen. And the trades that were on, like, just about to be made, but pulled back and no one knows about, man. But you have to tell him to be totally honest. Oh, yeah. Totally honest now. <laughs> like, every... Yeah. Qu- we'll just call that... the That's the name of the podcast. Totally honest. Totally with, honest. With Messiah Jury. <laughs> I love it. You already know. You've got it, you've got it mapped out. I do. Beautiful. I do. That's all up yeah, here. Yeah, did you see... Did you see, speaking of going way back in the time machine, did you see... Um, Someone had tweeted at Gord Asher. Gord Ash opened up his DMs. This is baseball now for anyone Did that's he? not aware. Gord Ash opened his DMs. Um, Why? And he said, if you want to ask me a question, anything to do with baseball or trades that happened or didn't happen, let me know. Oh. Some dude asked him what was his biggest like regret of not getting a trade done. He said... Um, at the uh, in the '92 trade deadline, uh, he could have had uh, Randy Johnson, <laughs> and he said instead they got Ricky Henderson. I mean, they won a World Series anyway. Yeah, but they went with Ricky Henderson instead. But they just they couldn't make it work for Randy Johnson. But it was on the table, and they were super close, and he couldn't get it done. He was so playing like, for Montreal, I, I, right, at the time. Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, um, and you know. You, you you hear these things and then it makes me think like, wow, I'd be really fascinated in like 10, 15 years when current GMs are like done and that's like way in the past. And you talk about trades from like 20, 25 years prior mm-hmm. and they start opening up. And that's more of in like our current like timeline of maybe five to 10 years before current present time time right here. Right. You can kind of go back and just now that stuff's more relevant to us. Uh, hear of certain trades that did or didn't go through like what you're saying. And I think that the premise is so unique and I hope that um, some GMs and some, uh, some owners and presidents and, and, you know, coaches or whoever open up about certain things like that down the road. I think it'd be very fascinating. Masai Ujiri, Alex Anthopoulos, my DMs (laughs) are always open. Uh, I think uh, my wife and I think Connor can uh, attest to this, that when you're on a podcast with me, you are guaranteed to be the smartest person on the show. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> no, not a chance. It's only, I mean, maybe, maybe if it's, maybe if it's Adam and his wife on a podcast, yeah, sure. <laughs> but like, but with me, no, I get, I get carried. If you listen, if you're, if you're on a podcast with, with me, you're guaranteed to be the smartest person for sure. I'm going to say some dumb shit and you're going to be like, why am, why did I agree to come on here? Holy fuck. Like don't you'll, you'll be, you'll be in good hands with Adam. Trust me. That's, and you can both crack a colon together. And that's what I'm that. saying. Totally honest with the Messiah jury. Let's do it. But, uh, <laughs> With that, that's all the content we got for you today. It's funny, and you know, like, I told you, dude. I fucking told you. Like, when I text you, I was like, all right, we're going to go tonight. These are the only two things I want to talk about. You're like, it's going to be a short one. I'm like, bro, bro. (laughs) Why does this happen to us every time? What are we at? We're at an hour 40? Hour 43. Oh, my fucking God. Yep. Yep. How does this happen, Adam? It happens. It happens, and hopefully, uh, listeners. I totally thought I'm like I'm like if we get to an hour, I'll be like that would that would be satisfactory considering the topics that we have. Spend 20 minutes talking about general shit at the beginning, like we always do. Hey. And then we get right into it, but that's good. I love it. Listen, like it doesn't feel like an hour 40. If if you guys listen to this in one shot, I very much appreciate it. Oh but God. to fill your void when it comes to like lack of sports, if you decided to break this up into segments to get through your days, completely understand, and I recommend doing that as well. But uh, Connor, you know the deal. This is your time to shine. Promote any and everything you got going on. I know there's really not much going on when <laughs> it comes much. to sports, but I know you're still very interactive when it comes to the Twitter sphere. So go ahead, there's, man. The there's, uh, there's not much, but um, the uh, the Twitter Twitter sphere handle is at to underscore sports views. Uh, when sports are back, or when I want to talk general topics about anything or any news comes up, I'm going to fire up a podcast, the TSV podcast, which was uh, teased by yours truly, Adam Corsair, at the beginning of the show. So uh, go uh, like you're going to do with this podcast with South of the Six. If you haven't already, you're going to leave a like um, and make sure you subscribe, do all that fun stuff, because I know if you're listening to this, you're you're loving the content, because if, if you're listening to this dynamic duo already, you already know what's going down. So, um, you, you know, you know what to do, guys. Uh, make sure you're, you're doing all that fun stuff. And um, the the Twitter activity hasn't really been as much i've just kind of been doing like some throwback stuff I'm like oh remember when this happened yeah. and whatever but uh i promise you when sports comes back or when we have um breaking sports news or anything like that um you'll be the, it'll be the first uh to to come up onto my uh twitter sphere and if you are a fan of the nfl or in particular bills and chargers the virtual draft is coming up and i might be doing a little bit of that on the tsv um uh twitter sphere so go take a look there and uh, stay connected if you're a Bills or Chargers fan, which I think there's like three Chargers fans in the world. Um, <laughs> if you're if you're a Bills or Chargers fans, let me know. Uh, it'd be nice to connect with some NFL people and shoot some some shit about it, uh, just like I do with Adam. So, uh, yeah. Uh, also, um, I, I know again basketball podcast, but uh, Hank Steinbrenner of yes. the New York Yankees, um, not a coronavirus illness or COVID-19 illness, but um, he had passed away at the age of, I want to say, 63. Still very young. Um, as a Blue Jays fan, you know, it's as, as a fan of any sports team, uh, of any sport organization, you can appreciate the, the greatness. Even though I, I hate the Yankees, you can still appreciate the greatness of that franchise and what it means culturally and iconically in sport. Um, obviously it was the father that had built it but the sons that contained the legacy so um, just want to say condolences to that family and um, this year sucks to be yes. honest yeah. this year sucks 
couldn't have yeah. said it better. Um, on a lighter note, this is the one year that I'm glad the Bills aren't in the first round of the draft because I have a feeling it's going to be a clusterfuck. So uh, go Bills. Um, all the, the links to Connor's Twitter will be in the description of the show. Um, I highly suggest subscribing to the podcast so you're ready and waiting for when the episode drops and when sports come back. And like I said, my wife and I are doing a podcast on a weekly basis. It's called While She's Napping. Uh, if you want to hear me banter about other stuff other than sports, uh, feel free. Leave a subscribe and a five-star review. But for now, uh, I am at Adam Corsair on Twitter and at South of the Six. Connor is at Connor Chambers and T-O underscore sports views. And we are out of time. So, Connor, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Absolutely. We'll do it soon. Go wraps. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Raptors.